This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to I'll Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thanks so much for joining us today. We are wrapping up the week here on I'll Have Another with another Olympic Trials Marathon episode. I do have a couple more Olympic Trials episodes coming. I don't know if you're loving them or hating them or they're getting to be too much, but I'm all in and I have two more for sure coming soon. Um, So today we get to talk to Emily Sisson, who is the American record holder in the marathon. Emily has a marathon PR of 218.29, which is the American record. She went into the Olympic trials as definitely, if not the favorite, one of the favorites to win this race, definitely to make the team. That's something we talk about a lot in the episode as well. Like, how did it feel entering this race with that pressure on your shoulders? Like, I'm the one everybody's betting on. Uh, She ended up finishing second in a time of 222.42 behind Fiona O'Keefe and ahead of Dakota Lindworm, who's been on the podcast post-trials. This will be... Emily's second Olympic team. She ran in Tokyo after she won the 10K on the track for the track trials in 2021. I love talking to Emily. She's definitely one that we're going to be hearing about for a long time and for years to come. One of my favorite things we talk about in this episode is how she stays calm and what her mindset is to stay calm when things feel a bit overwhelming. Emily was so kind to come on the podcast so quickly after the trials. If you are looking to run a great race, look no further than you can to help you with your fueling. Right now, you can has a sample pack that you can get for free when you go to youcan.co slash another. All you have to do is pay shipping. Their new Edge Energy Gels are amazing. 75 plus minutes of energy, no spikes, no crashes, easy on the stomach. I like to take one around 30 minutes before a longer run. And the cool thing about the Edge Energy Gels is you don't even need to chase them with water. Like you don't have to have water on hand right away like you do with many gels. So many pro runners we've talked to in this post-trials recap use UCAN, including Sarah Hall and Emily Sisson here on this episode. Uh, definitely check out their Edge Energy Gels. Get that free sample pack. Why not? UCAN.co slash another. They also have electrolyte powders, energy bars, and energy powders, which are really great for pre-workout as well. The energy powder has 90 minutes of energy in one scoop. UCAN.co. Use the code another for 15% off your order or If you just want to try those Edge Energy Gels, go to youcan.co slash another to get those free energy gels. All right. Please enjoy my conversation with Emily Sisson. Emily Sisson, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on. Nice to talk to you again. Congratulations on making your second Olympic team. Thank you. I'm really excited about it. How are you feeling now that we're almost two weeks out? Like, have you been able to catch your breath a little bit? No, I definitely have. It's been nice just moving at a slower pace the last couple of weeks. So uh, we're back in Rhode Island and just hanging out with friends and just chilling and not doing a whole lot. And it's been really nice. So yeah, I'm getting I'm getting excited though. Uh, I'm looking forward to. It's kind of it's nice knowing um, 
that I'm on the team, but then we also have to wait so long. So I'm like, oh, I'm looking forward to Paris, but it's six months away. So I'm looking forward to the build, which I guess won't start for a few months still. Yeah, I was going to say, like, what are you doing in the interim? What do you plan to do? Uh, Well, I'm on a break right now. And then I'll slowly build back into training. And then after that, I think we'll I think I'll go uh, to Flagstaff in April and then come down and do the majority of my build at sea level. But I want the the benefit of altitude, but not to not do the whole build at altitude. Mm. What does your break look like? Like, what are you actually doing? Like nothing. Like I'm really not doing anything. I I guess I'm running a little bit. Um, I like to run every other day, like the week or so after a marathon, but it's not even like for fitness. I just like to keep my body moving so that when I do start training again, I'm not like too stiff. And um, it just, it helps me feel good when I get back into training so that I hopefully don't, um, have like an injury or anything pop up. So yeah, I've just been running a little bit here and there, just like going out to dinner with my husband and friends and yeah, doing a few little exercises, but apart from that, not doing a lot of uh, training or work. Yeah. You had to kind of like hibernate and keep like yeah. out of this, all the social obligations yeah. for a little while there. So I bet that feels good to like connect with people again. Oh, it's so nice. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Like I, I I tried to like FaceTime friends that like I wasn't near when I was in Arizona and we go out to dinner like with people, um, but like sit outside when we're in Phoenix, but it's just not quite the same. Like you're just, uh, it's like a, I don't know. Yeah. They're just in the back of your mind. You're like just not living. Um, like I guess I do when I'm on a break, which is kind of nice. Yeah. It's like, you can't totally live in a bubble, but it's not worth the risk. Like this is such a huge deal. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So, um, so yeah, like it, it was good. Like the buildup went really well and really smoothly and I, I enjoyed it, had a good time. And now I'm enjoying my breaks. I'm trying to enjoy whatever, whatever I'm in right now is what I'm enjoying. So right now it's break mode and I'm really liking it. Okay. So my biggest question to you, and I thought about you so much in the lead up and even during the race and after the race is like, you had a pressure like nobody else in the race because of all the people in the race, you were the one that's like, Oh, of course, Emily will make the team. Like we did. <laughs> we did a draft. We always do these drafts on the relay podcast. And like, we knew whoever had the first pick was going to pick you. It's like, obviously you're picking Emily Sisson. Like, duh. (laughs) And so I've been so curious, like how that sat with you before the race, like what that pressure felt like. I actually do think I handled it pretty well throughout the buildup. It uh, it was definitely there. Uh, But it wasn't until I got to the hotel that I could really feel like the weight of it. But uh, my husband said he thought I handled it well. And he's like, when we got to the hotel in Orlando, he's like, I could see you were struggling with it a bit more there. Um, But I guess I do a lot of things. I have like a lot of tricks and tools in my head that when I'm feeling pressure um, or the weight of expectations, I have to turn to. And like, I do a lot of things. Well, one thing that helped throughout the buildup is I never like believed I was the favorite going into the race. And I, like, I'm not naive. I knew I was a favorite, but like, I can't convince myself of something that I don't um, believe, but like, I, I did believe there were other women there. I'm like, I think I genuinely thought Bessie Sana was going to be really tough to beat. I was seeing some of her long runs she was sharing and I was like, she's really fit. And so were a lot of other women. So I never was going into the race being like, oh, like I'm, I'm the favorite. (laughs) Like I never thought that I, but I knew I was. I, I don't know. I knew I was a favorite and I knew a lot of people probably expected me to um, make the team. So I did struggle with that a little bit when I got there. But 
I guess the three months before when we were like in Phoenix and in Orlando training, trying to remember what I did that helped. I think, um, well, my husband's a therapist and that does help. It genuinely does. But then I have my own therapist on top of that. So like talking to the two of them helps. Um, I think like remembering like why I like why I'm running the trials and why I want to do this is what I'd always come back to in the end, because I feel like if you get caught up in all the noise and what people are saying and and other people's expectations, you forget like why you're doing it in the first place. And um, and yeah, at the end of the day, like I really wanted to make that Olympic team. (laughs) So um, so I just had to kind of acknowledge all that noise was there and that it existed. But um, not get too caught up in it. And I think I actually did a pretty good job of that until like the 48 hours before the race. And then I was there and I was just kind of like, it, it was a little overwhelming, but, um, but that's when I started thinking of like, I talked about this on Sidious Mag. I started thinking of other women that have been in that position before. And I like kind of in my head was like leaning on them a bit. Cause I'm like, well, they've done, like they handled the pressure and they like, they performed on the day. So I'm like, if they can do it, I, I think I can do it too. So I don't know. I've got a lot of tools and it depends on the day what I kind of am thinking about or leaning towards. But basically I just rambled on, but a lot of all that stuff. Yeah. I listened to your interview on Sidious Mag and I loved your nod to Dina and like actually during the race, yeah. the fact that you looked at her on the motorcade and thought about the things that you've learned from her book. Like that's crazy. Like that we even think about Emily yeah. Sisson in this race, in this defining moment, reading, like thinking about that book. Yeah. I feel like in my head, I have all this, like, if I read something or hear someone say something, I think is like a really good point or really useful. I almost like store it in case, in case I need it someday. Um, and in the moment, I actually like, I really genuinely did look at her and I was like, okay, well, like what would Dina do here? Because it was like my, around mile eight of the marathon, I was struggling with a, a cramp and I was like, this is really early. That's not good. <laughs> and and uh, I definitely felt like a lot of negative thoughts creeping in at that point. And that's Dina's whole like mm. whole thing <laughs> is trying to like uh, turn those negative thoughts around and not in a way that like um, it's not like a naive optimism, but it just like trying to focus on what you can control and trying to focus on how to reframe things, I guess. So it's, uh, I don't know. I, I find it, um, I found her advice like very practical. So, so yeah, I thought of her during the race and then, um, and then, yeah, so I, I do lean on people, I, whether they know it or not, <laughs> but hmm. I do. Uh, yeah. Did you do the Dina trick? She always talks about like, if I have a side cramp, I think about how my hands feel good and my nose feels good. And like every other body part feeling that feels good. I try to focus on those things. I actually didn't think like that in this race, but that's often what I do. If something is uh-huh. hurting, I will be like, well, okay, like, like this doesn't feel good, but this does like, uh, that's, that's helped me in races in the past. If, um, my legs are feeling tired, but I can focus on how good my breathing feels or how, um, smooth my stride feels or something. I don't know. Like I just find something that feels good and I'm like, okay, I'll think about that <laughs> instead of what doesn't feel good. All right, friends, you know how you're going to get good results in your training. It's if you get good sleep and you can optimize your sleep with Lagoon pillows, the best pillows on the planet. Once you start using Lagoon pillows, you're not going to want to go back. I'm serious. They are amazing. I have the Fox and What you do is you fill out a two-minute sleep quiz and it helps you out. Like, are you a back sleeper, side sleeper? 
and these are the best pillows out there. Also a small family owned business. The founder of Lagoon, his name is Ryan. He was a collegiate swimmer and sleep has always been really important to him. And he created the design of these pillows. He wanted to create a product that was gonna give you the best sleep of your life and he's done so. The cool thing is is they send you the filling so you can fill it up as little or as much as you want. You know sometimes you get a pillow and it's like way too full or not full enough. Well, you can control that with Lagoon. Go to lagoonsleep.com slash Lindsay and use the code Lindsay, that's L-A-N-D-S-E-Y for 15% off your order. You're welcome, go get the best sleep ever. All right friends, enjoy the rest of my conversation with Emily. Yeah. So eventually the cramp did go away and I'd love to hear you talk about, well, I, I, if anybody listened to Sidious Mag, we, you did cover this on that podcast as well, but you and Kira discussed, or your coaches discussed actually having a strategy of leading the race together and taking turns and tell us about how that went down. Yeah. So the day before the race, uh, after the press conference, Kira and I sat down and our coaches had already talked, but I was like, why don't we just talk together? So, so we're on Aww. the same page um, and uh, and just like iron out details. But our coaches uh, had kind of come up with a plan for us to trade off leading. And Ray told me he wanted to have a faster pace, mainly so that I wouldn't have any trouble getting to my bottles. He's like, if it's really slow and bunched up, I just don't know how good you'll be at, at grabbing them, <laughs> which, is, which is fair. It's like, you know me, I'm not like, <laughs> I don't have the best hand-eye coordination. But um but yeah so that like that's why Ray wanted me and Kira to work together and Kira was on board she wanted a faster pace too and so the plan was to trade off every two miles but at mile eight I got a cramp and um and I it's weird because I'm not getting cramps in practice so so luckily I did Chicago Marathon in the fall and I had it pop up for the first time there because I actually like learned from that experience and the one thing I learned like the biggest takeaway from Chicago was when I slowed down to ease the cramp, it went away. But then when I got greedy and picked it up, it came like back in full force and it really backfired. So when I got another cramp in um, at the Olympic trials, I was like, okay, like, like slow down. That's what really helped the last time. Slow down, uh, focus on your breathing. Uh, my husband actually yelled that to me in the middle of the race. Cause I, I told him when I ran by him that I had a side stitch and he was like, breathe. <laughs> And, and I was like, okay, like I'll focus on breathing. Um, and I like, I kind of poked at my side a bit and it actually did ease off. And it like, I can't remember how long it, the cramping lasted for, but eventually it just got to the point where it just felt tight. And so I was like aware, I'm like, okay, well it could start cramping again, but um, let's just keep focusing on your breathing, keep focusing on staying calm and relaxed in the back of this pack that you're now in. Um like basically just focusing on everything else that I could control. And uh, and then it never actually acted back up again. Like it just felt tight the rest of the race. And like, it was weird afterwards when I was uh, taking a shower after the race, I looked down and at my side were all these like nail marks. <laughs> and it looked like I've been like clawed at by a cat because I was like poking at my side so much. Um, but yeah, like luckily I had the experience from uh, Chicago to kind of uh, go off of this time. And um, it did caused me to abandon the plan with Kira, which I did, I did feel bad about. And um, we talked after the race and I don't know if it really, uh, I would change things too much, but still, um, yeah, like stuff happens, but um, I like, and I was prepared to, if like, if Kira was having an off day or something too, like uh, I've actually 
had plans going into races in the past where I would trade off leading with someone and then that person just didn't do it. And it was just because she was having a bad day. So like you do, you do go in knowing something could happen, I guess, but yeah. So that's, that's what happened. (laughs) So yeah, it's kind of like when a race doesn't go as planned, like there's always got to be like backups. Like I think as the fans, we were all very surprised that like you and Kira hadn't like blown the field apart in the first lap even like sounds like what the plan might've been. It wasn't actually to blow the field apart. It was just to string it out. So it was smaller and to get to, cause we knew like running 525s, a lot of people would still be there. Uh Um, There were more there actually than I thought, but still like we didn't think like no one was going to do that pace. We thought there'd be a good group. And uh, we kind of figured 222 pace would win, win the race. And we were correct about that. So, yeah. so we got that right. Um, but yeah, 525 was the goal just to string it out to make it easy to grab bottles and just get like an honest pace going. Um, but yeah, actually, when I had to run back, like in the back of the pack, I actually didn't mind that. And I don't often run in the back of packs. I did my first marathon. I ran a lot in the pack. Um, in Atlanta I did, but it just has been so long and I actually, I liked it. I didn't mind it at all. So I was kind of like, why wasn't, I wonder why we didn't have this as a race plan, (laughs) but, um, but yeah, so I didn't have any issues, uh, grabbing my bottles this time, which was good. So what did you actually think when Fiona ran away? Yeah, I had a lot of, I had a few thoughts going through my head. I did debate going with her, um, and I decided not to, but then I was kind of trying to figure out what the best I don't know what the best plan would be to try to like win the race and get her back um reel her back in and I thought my best bet was to wait until four miles to go which was which was the plan all along but then when I got to four miles to go I actually was feeling pretty tired and I'd like I don't know why if it was just like running alone for so long or um if maybe I hadn't done the best job fueling, but I like was starting to feel kind of tired. So I was like, okay, actually let's just wait till like a mile to go and then just like pick it up. Um, but she looked really good. Like we, I wasn't sure when she made her, like her move, if it was, if she was going to come back at all because it was her first marathon. Like she, yeah. Doesn't, yeah, she doesn't have that experience, but she ran it like, yeah, she ran it like a veteran. <laughs> so she ran great. Yeah. That was wild. I know. It's like, you can't bank on someone coming back because it's their first marathon, but you yeah. might think, could this have been a mistake? Cause if you haven't yeah. done it, you haven't done it. You don't know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but yeah, no, she, she judged it correctly, her efforts. So she, yeah, she had a good one. That was a great run for her. Yeah. So in 2020, you had not great times in Atlanta and <laughs> <laughs> not fun times. We'll call it that. Not fun times. Yeah. Um, and you went back and made the team in, in the 10 K on the track. And I'm sure there's a lot of women that are going to go double over and try to make the team in the track. I'm curious, yeah. like, what would you say you did then to like kind of shift your mindset and really focus on then making that team? Um, I do think whenever I have a race, whether it's good or bad, I generally try to either take a couple of days to feel like, like bad about how it went or take a couple of days to like soak it in. But then I do kind of just focus on what's next. And I mm. think letting go of whatever that last race was, whether it was amazing, whether it was average or whether it was not great at all, and <laughs> just moving on and having your like sight set forward. I think that's the biggest piece of advice I could give. Um, I, after Atlanta, I, I also did, and I don't know if this like matters as much, but I did a lot of like, um, body work and like strength work to try to get my like track legs back under me. And I was also really injured after Atlanta. Like I wasn't 
running Mm -hmm. much for a while. So Mm -hmm. um, I kind of almost had to to get healthy. I had to really focus on all these little things uh, to get myself um, strong and ready for the track. But um, but yeah, I don't know. I think the biggest piece of advice would just be to um, take a couple of days to feel what you feel and then just kind of get ready for the next thing. Don't ignore your feelings. Don't like just try to bury them. My husband would say that. He's the therapist. Uh, um, Shane to the rescue. I know. Yeah. Shane to the rescue. But feel them and then just, and then move on. And then, yeah. Yeah. Sight set on the next one. Yeah. Because, you know, we talked about like you having the pressure of being the shoe in, like the one that's going to make the team. You hold the American record. But how quickly do we forget like, oh yeah, like that was a really hard year for you. And it wasn't that long ago. So, and you've come back from that. And so, I just hope others see that and they're not just seeing like all the success. Like you've, you've clawed your way back here. Yeah. I think it, in our sport and maybe most sports in general, people or everyone like myself included, I feel like everyone can have like short-term memory. <laughs> and yeah, totally. and uh, so you almost remember just what the last race was. <laughs> and so I guess it is uh, helpful when you can kind of look big picture at people's careers and see all the ups and downs and, um, and then there's so much you don't see so much that happens in practice or happens just like not on race day that, um, yeah, is all part of everyone's story. Everyone has a story on the start line. So, um, yeah, we don't know everyone's, but everyone's got one. So your American record to 1829, making your second Olympic team, like how do those two like line up to one another equally as important, just totally different? Uh, they're pretty different an, an American record especially in the marathon that was a really like special moment for me so I don't want to say that doesn't matter at all because that was really cool uh but records especially right now they just don't last <laughs> like <laughs> so like having something like I don't know winning the Olympic trials in 2021 will probably be as of right now it's my favorite moment ever okay uh in my career so like that was the most special day but this one's like right up there making another Olympic team getting the race uh, the marathon in, in Paris, like that's just, like just as special because that doesn't get taken away. Those moments, the um, competing in the Olympics, being an Olympian, like that's something forever. So, uh, so yeah, I think the the records are special too. And I don't want to say they don't mean anything because like they are important and they're special. But, um, but yeah, those, those won't last forever and they shouldn't. You want the sport to keep evolving. And when you cross the finish line at the trials, you know, second place mm-hmm. at the, at the marathon trials. And then Dakota was pretty far back. Like, what did you feel in that moment? Like, I, I was going to say, did you feel relief? Like, cause you had overcome that side stitch and like made it happen or what did you feel? Yeah, it was actually, yeah, both excitement and relief, but it was a lot of relief and not for like, probably the reason people think, I feel like if you look at mine and Shane's pictures after the trials, we both <laughs> just look so relieved and everyone else is just so happy. And it's not like, that, it had nothing to do with like the pressure. I just was like, oh, I was having such a bad day early on. I thought I wasn't going to make this team. <laughs> I yeah. thought I was like, oh, I don't think this is going to work out today at like mile nine. <laughs> and you have so far to go in a marathon at that yeah. point. So the fact that like um, I was able to turn it around and actually like make it happen, I re- was genuinely surprised because I just kind of assumed at first when I had the cramps start so early, I was like, oh, I'm probably just going to meet the same fate I met in Chicago. So um, to be able to like get that to like calm down and turn it around, I thought was, um, yeah, it actually did surprise me a bit. I was like, oh, I'm like really, really proud of that. Um, so, yeah, I think and Shane knew. So <laughs> Shane was yeah. also relieved because he knew um, at mile eight that, that I had a cramp. So 
but yeah, no, I think um, I have stuff to work on. I want to figure out why I'm cramping. I, I still think it's like a tension issue. I don't think I'm, it's possible I'm drinking too much water. Like I'm going to look into that, but, um, but I just think there's something off that's causing them. So I got to figure it out. But anyway, yeah, I, uh, I, I was happy and relieved and surprised. Well, I was thinking all those things, but then I was like, I'm totally putting words in her mouth when I say relieved, but <laughs> I was thinking if I had a cramp and I felt like, yeah, oh no, am I going to get through this? Like, that's what I would feel like I did it. Whew. I was like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's exactly how I felt. So yeah, I was uh, happy and relieved. Yeah. Um, so with Paris, tell me your feelings on like the fact that Molly Seidel showed us, like showed an American woman meddling at the Olympics, which was the first time in the marathon and it happened in a while. Do you pull inspiration from that? Oh, definitely. Yeah. That was an amazing run. Amazing performance. We'll always be thinking about. So I, I just, I think all of us should be going in with like, yeah, the hope to just prepare as well as you can and never know, put yourself in the mix. You never know who's going to come away with the next medal. So uh, definitely, yeah, uh, seeing Molly do that, um, knowing Dina did it, um, Joni, just like, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely something to, to not count yourself out of. Like, it's not like a, it's not something that comes easily uh, at all, but just don't. Yeah, I hope none of us count ourselves out before and just see what happens. And mentally preparing for your first marathon in the Olympics compared to track in the Olympics, like physically, mentally, how will that prep be different? Uh, physically, it'll be different because it's a very different course. The weather actually could be pretty similar to what we had in Florida from what I hear. I've heard so many different things about the weather in Paris. I don't really know, but I've heard it could be similar. Um, but the course itself is one massive hill. So, so, uh, it's not rolling hills though. It's different than like, um, than like an Atlanta course. It's, uh, but it's also different from like a Boston or New York too. It's, uh, it's just one it massive hill. It's is an it out and back. So okay, you like back. the first, I looked this up. The first 15 K is flat. And then you go, oh, where is it from 15 K from 15 K to like, 30k I think you go up a huge hill and then you go down it and at okay. the top there's a little up and down but it's mostly you just go up it and down it and then it's okay. flat 10k to the finish so so yeah it's different like but it's a huge hill it's not just so like 15k of climbing uh 15 wait. meters 15 <laughs> wait hold on so it's 15 no because it's like the whole hill fits in that so, okay yeah it's from like 15k to like 32k so like probably 17k of like going up and down, but it, it's okay. not like a bridge in New York. It's like, it's much bigger. <laughs> so like I don't know. Deeper. Yeah. I think it's steep at the top. I need to, yeah, I need to look it up more, but it's, it's, I don't know how you fit it in. I need to look it up. I can't picture anything like that. I keep saying that. Will you go over there? Will you go over before? Um, I wasn't planning on it, but I will. I'll definitely want to drive it if I can, like the week or two before, but maybe it'd be helpful if someone wanted to drive it and take a video and post it on YouTube. That'd be, that'd be handy yeah. <laughs> if I could see it. Somebody get on that. <laughs> yeah. And if there's any um, French fans listening to this, maybe, <laughs> maybe one of them will want to. Oh, I think we have, I think we have a few. I think we have a few. <laughs> okay. All right, everybody who is heading over to Virginia beach with me to run the shamrock marathon the weekend of March 15th through the 17th. This is going to be such a fun weekend. They are known for the best after party out there when it comes to marathon after parties. 
The Shamrock Marathon is rated one of the top 20 marathons in the country by Runner's World, Bib Brave. It's one of the most family-friendly races by Runner's World magazine. And of course, this is the Yingling Shamrock Marathon. And the party continues after the race with their post-celebration on the beach with Yingling beer and live music. So I'm gonna be there all weekend at the expo. There's an 8K on Saturday, the marathon and the half marathon are Sunday. And you all can register for any of the races when you use the code LindsaySham10. That'll get you 10% off your registration. That's Lindsay, L-A-N-D-S-E-Y, capital L, Sham, capital S, one zero. Lindsay Sham 10 for 10% off. Um, we're going to have a meetup and a run together as well there. Make sure you're following me on Instagram, LindsayHines626, because I will be sharing updates on all the events happening there. So just go to shamrockmarathon.com. Use the code LindsaySham10 for 10% off your registration. I can't wait to see you there. Um, you talk about your relationship with Molly Huddle though a lot. And mm-hmm. I think we've talked about it on this podcast before, just like what you learned from her through the beginning of yeah. your career. And can you talk a little bit about that and like what that this race was like this time around? Obviously Molly coming back from having a baby still, but she's still someone you really look up to and have learned a lot from. Yeah, I thought about her a lot the week of the race and how she always handled pressure because I got to see her like firsthand when she was like the favorite going into races or a favorite and see how she handled it so well. Um, so I thought about her a bit with that, but there are still things I like ask her about almost like she's like an older sister, like yeah. <laughs> um, just like random things. Like I remember asking her a couple of questions when I got to Florida about something. Um, but yeah, I like, it's nice to have someone like that I can turn to and um, she's always really generous with her time and giving advice. So lucky to have someone like that that I could look up to and learn from as I was trying to, uh, I guess, grow in my own career early on. And so what are your last thoughts about the race? Like what, what will you, what memories will you most take with you from this experience in the training cycle, the race itself, the celebrating, what was most meaningful? Uh, most meaningful, definitely the finish, seeing my husband and like so many family and friends that came out to watch. That was really, really special. So I think I'll remember that the most. Um, I'll be proud of ha- how I handled uh, a setback early on. And then I'll be curious how to fix that setback <laughs> to try to <laughs> prevent right? it from happening again. <laughs> so Get it I done. Guess, yeah. 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 But yeah, I guess all that. And you mentioned earlier, like, Shane is a therapist and so he helps you a lot with your with your mindset and whatnot does that come in handy like failures and successes and how do you like you know when it's like someone's job but they're also your significant other like yeah how do you like create create boundaries with that but also like really utilize the tools he has yeah it's it's funny because I guess when he first started out and I was like younger, like first started out as a therapist, whenever he'd like give me advice or talk in his therapist voice, I'd like <laughs> give out to him and be like, don't talk to me in your therapist voice. <laughs> um, but now, yeah, uh, now we have a better balance. <laughs> so, uh, now typically I'll go to him and I'll be like, hey, like, what do you think of this? Or like, I'm feeling um, a bit of pressure. How can I, um, I don't know, how can I reframe this or look at this better? And yeah, he's he's really great um, if he's offering his advice. And then I have my own therapist too, and she's great too. So it's nice having both of them that I can 
turn to with stuff like that. So because um, like my husband will know me like no one else does, which is handy. And then a therapist can give just an, like a third, like a, a perspective of someone that's not so close. So it's good to have both, I guess. Um, but uh, but yeah, I do think it, I think it helps a lot. Yeah, the mental side of uh, the sport, especially marathons in general, is really huge. So um, pressure is something I feel like I've had to learn how to deal with and manage for a while now. And um, and it definitely used to really overwhelm me. And like, I hated it. <laughs> and I remember like, just wanting to like, there were some days when I was like, younger, where I was like, Oh, do I even want like, do I want to do this? Like, I don't like all this pressure, like this sucks. Um, but I'm really glad I figured out ways to kind of manage it and figure out ways to um, kind of ground myself, because it was so worth it trying to figure it out and trying to um, and not run away from something that uh, scared me or overwhelmed me, but learning how to face it head on. And, um, and I'm still learning and I'm still like getting better at it. But, um, but yeah, this career has been so worth it to me. So I'm glad um, I've had people help me with it. And I've been um, wanting to kind of figure out how to, yeah, keep enjoying the sport and then take like getting joy out of it when, uh, when there is like noise before like all these big races and everything. What was your, what was like the first step in facing it though? So I talked to, like, this is the one thing I always go back to. Um, I reached out to a friend who was a sports site coach back in college because I, like, this all started back in college when I was going into NCAAs my uh, fifth year. I was like, I was the favorite going into that race. It was indoor uh, NCAAs and I didn't enjoy it at all. I, like, I won the race and it was my first NCAA title, but I genuinely was just kind of like, oh, I'm glad I got that done. Like, it sounds horrible. And, and I was like, that wasn't fun. That like, that's supposed to be such a special moment. And I really struggled. And so I reached out to her, I think it was after I graduated. Um, And I told her that story. And then I told her the story of going into NCAA outdoor nationals, how um, I didn't feel like the weight of pressure and expectation on me. And I enjoyed it so much more. And, um, and like, I really enjoyed that title or like winning that race like it was fun and so I worked with her a lot for like my first year as a professional and I wasn't the favorite going into many races then but it was still good to put like the groundwork in and one piece of advice she told me that I still like it's like my one mantra I always go back to is to be the eye of the storm and we talked about how like um, the eye is like the calm center of a storm so when I'm feeling overwhelmed by um by any noise, like social media, uh, interviews, um, just like all the excitement that builds around races to first of all, like recognize it, don't ignore it and be like, um, acknowledge it's there, recognize it can actually be good for promoting the sport. And that's what like at the end of the day, like I want the sport to, to grow. Um, so recognize that, but then also like picture yourself at this like calm center of it. Like it can all be around you, but it doesn't have to touch you. It doesn't have to affect you. You can be like, that calm middle. And so that's what I picture. So I, I started doing it in my early 20s and I'm like 32 now. And that's still my, um, what I visualize sometimes like before big races is just to be that calm center. Wow. I don't think I've ever heard you talk about that. I love that. I bring it up every now and then, but I don't want to bring it up every time I do a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> anyone that's heard it before is going to be like, oh, Emily always Oh, there's the that. eye of the storm. Yeah, story. we get it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Roshi McGettigan Dumas was my um, sports psych coach. And uh, yeah, that helped so much. So uh, she's great. She does the Believe I Am training journals. Or, yeah. or I don't know if they still make them, but with yeah, Lauren yeah. Fleshman. Yeah. And was she, does she still do the podcast with Molly? 
Oh yeah. Yeah. I think she does. I don't know why that, yeah. why the journal well, was the first thing that came to I mind. I feel like Molly has recently just hosted the interviews on her own. So I wasn't sure if Alicia and Roisin like still co-hosted ne- or what they were doing. Yeah. I never know who's doing it. Cause it's not the three of them normally. It's usually two of them or one of them. Yeah. So yeah, depending on schedules probably, but yeah, she's great. So Irish Olympian that trained um, under my coach, Ray Tracy. So she's someone I also could lean on a lot. I mean, that is like the most tangible advice in anything. Like if you get, I always go back to like health anxieties because that's like my whole hang up, but like (laughs) scary news with diagnosis, like any, anything, like just any, anything you're like about to go battle. Yeah. Eye of the storm. I like it. Yeah. It helps me. I I thought it helped me a lot because I'm so introverted. And so like all the noise can sometimes like be a little draining, but I think whether you're introverted or extroverted, just like anytime you feel like there's a lot going on, um, it's just, it's a good visual, I think. So, so yeah, I think it's handy. I think you and I talked about that a little bit the first time I interviewed you a few years ago. Cause I remember the first time I interviewed being like, I feel like Emily's quiet and she like probably <laughs> doesn't love doing stuff like this. It, yeah, I am. I'm, I'm quiet. I feel like when I first meet people, but then when I'm like around my group of friends, it's not that I don't like introverts I feel like get a bad rap because people think oh you just don't like people and it's like no no, I love hanging out with people I do I just I sometimes need to like go nap or something um but (laughs) or don't want to be like the center of attention when it's hard when again you're the favorite in this huge race to to make the team it can be hard the I do think that can be one of the hardest parts of the job and I have like asked people for advice with like media Mm -hmm. stuff because it's probably not my favorite piece of it um podcasts I can handle better because it just feels like you and I are talking yeah. it doesn't I'm not like in front of a bunch of people um and I'm not yeah like not in a room with a bunch of people looking at me <laughs> on tv or something yeah so uh so this feels like definitely more natural but like I have asked some people for advice with it because it is part of the job and like I do care about like making like trying to be like a good role model mm-hmm. um and so I do like want to make sure I'm not yeah not like just not doing this stuff because I don't want to do it. But uh, yeah, trying to just do my best. And like, I'm not going to be probably the most like uh, extroverted outgoing interview. (laughs) Yeah. uh, But like, I will try my best. So yeah. Well, I was at the Chicago um, pre-race press conference and you seemed like very calm and like chatty and. Oh, thanks. (laughs) In your element. Like, yeah. Um, Last, lastly here. How was your interview with Tommy? He's one of my friends and co-hosts on the Relay podcast. I texted him yesterday and I was like, you better get, you better pump that episode out because I'm getting her out on Friday. It was good. My husband was in the the room next to me though. And he was kind of laughing because he could only hear one side of the interview. And he's like, what are you guys talking about? He heard us talking about snakes, uh, elevators, Ubers. um, What else? Uh, Sloth. Like we talked about the most random things. It was great. Um, It was just so funny. Uh, And Shane, like he could only hear my end of the conversation because I had headphones in. Like that's the day I lost my headphones. I don't know where they went after that. Um, But like he could only hear my end of the conversation. He's like, why are you asking him if he's afraid of elevators? Like what? It, it, like it fits in the conversation we were having, but, um, but yeah, no, it was, it was fun. He's fun. Yeah. He likes, he, we were talking about how he likes to do like kind of go off on random stuff and not just yeah. focus on the running stuff. And I asked him, I was like, did you, were you able to accomplish that with Emily? And he was like, yeah, we went off on some stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We definitely did go off on some things. It was fun. Yeah. He keeps, he keeps it light. Um, yeah. He keeps it really light and fun. 
Oh, good stuff. Well, Emily, it's always an honor to talk to you and you're very easy to cheer for and root for. And we're so excited to see what you do in Paris. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hopefully I'll talk to you. We'll get you on again before, before Paris though. Okay. That sounds good. Maybe we'll do like a May or something. So it's not too close to the race. Okay. Sounds like a plan. I'll I'll just be training. I'll be doing much else around May. So lots of, lots of running. Lots of running. (laughs) Sounds Um, good. It was nice talking. Yeah. You too. Okay, friends. Thanks for being here. I hope you've had a fun week. Hope you've been enjoying these post trials episodes. We've got some other exciting guests that we've already recorded with and that we're going to put out, but we're just having so much fun with these trials episodes that we just keep them coming. Um, Emily on Instagram, she's M underscore Sisson underscore over there. You can find me. I'm Lindsay Hines 626 on Instagram. Uh, we'd love to connect with you. You can email me Lindsay at sandyboyproductions.com. If you ever have anybody you'd like to hear from on the show, um, my website personally is lindsayhine.com and the podcast in this network, you can find everything at sandyboyproductions.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. The best way you can support the show. If you're interested in doing so is leaving us a rating interview on iTunes or Spotify, of course, sharing it with your friends on social media. And then you can always support the show on Patreon. If you feel inclined, if you're listening every week and really enjoying these episodes, that's just patreon.com slash Thanks for being here and we will see you next week on All Have Another.